Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jacob. Hope this message gives you encouragement, perspective, and revelation from God to give to others. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram page, Fusion Student Media, and also follow me on Instagram, at Jacob underscore Malasa underscore. We hope you enjoy the message. So I'm going to get into my message tonight. We This series has, has been in my heart for a couple of months. It was actually there around Easter, but I didn't get the opportunity to preach it. What's funny, I'm going to say this little story. I'm not trying to be prideful. I promise I'm not. But this title was going to be the title that Pastor Brandon was going to use for the Easter series we had. You remember the Jesus Easter series? We were going to use this title. This is what we we're going to use. We were coming up with ideas and we were in our, our staff meeting and we were coming up with ideas and I came up with the idea, hey, why don't we do That's My King? So Pastor Brandon was going to use that, but the Lord wanted him to use the name Jesus instead just for, you know, Jesus, right? And he said, I want you to use it. So it's like, okay, I'll use it. I'll, I'll keep it for now. So I hadn't had the opportunity to preach it yet, but I think with school coming back up and all this stuff that's happening in the world, this is the time. This is the time to preach about our king and my king. I'm going to preach about biblically about Jesus, but I also want to talk to you about Jesus personally. But I want to read to you, I want to read to you from Romans 8. It's going to be on the screen to help you if you don't have anything on you to read it. Romans 8. I want to read verse 1 through 4 first, and I'm going to jump from 35 to 39. It says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Before I get to the next one, what Paul is saying in this is that Christ pretty much did what we could never do. And the reason why he was able to was because he was a man who knew no sin. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God. We, he met the righteous requirement. So to all you feel, all of you in here who feel beat up about not doing right or feeling like you're not doing good, I want you to know that your requirement never meets it. And I want you to know that Christ already met it. Because for some of us, we think we just have to, be good all the time because we think that that reaches it's like putting an acceptance scale i've talked about this before but it's like putting an acceptance scale and this is where i'm going to get accepted by god this is where it's going to be this standard this is where god's going to meet me this is where i'm going to get accepted by god but paul is like i'm going to debunk that if you're if you want to be right here and you think christ is going to accept you here but you're here this is what christ does right here this is it. This is the gospel. Because we think we have to be this good for God to love us. And if we make a mistake, God's going to love us less. Your mistakes cannot be cannot make God love you any less, and how good of a person you are will not make you God love you any more. And when he says that the righteous requirement was met, that means that nobody, and I say nobody, is outside of the grace of God. Nobody. There was this, uh, I posted it on my social media before, but there's this, uh, 
there's this rapper named uh, John Gabbana. Has anyone heard of John Gabbana before? Sir Gabbana? No? Okay. So he's a little bit under the... But he... He... He was he was a, a somewhat above the table type rapper. Like he was kind of getting there, and he dealt with a lot of drugs and alcohol, and he dealt with a lot of suicide. And just a year ago, he fully gave his life to Christ, and, and God radically changed him. And if you want to look up his testimony right now, or, or whenever you can, look it up because he completely did a one eighty. He was doing drugs. His like his favorite drug was Xanax and everything. He literally talked about all of the stuff he was in love with. But Christ changed him a year ago. And he said, he said one time that, uh, in, in one of his little videos, he said, you know, there was a Christian that rubbed me the wrong way. And he said, the Christian told him that, man, John, I'm so shocked that you would come to Jesus and be saved. I'm so shocked. I've been in church all my life and, and all this stuff. I would have never thought you would come to Christ. And it made him mad because, because and he was making this statement. He said, I don't think a lot of Christians really know who God is. Because he said, did you know that God, that nobody is outside of the grace of God? Nobody. And, he, and, when he's, and then he referenced Paul. And that's when I remembered Paul when he was talking about this. Paul is the perfect example of Christ met it, not me. Because if you know, if you've ever been in uh, the Sunday school stuff or whatever, if you've been in church long enough, Paul was once Saul who killed Christians. He was a Christian murderer. He went, he went from region to region killing Christians, martyring them, because he didn't, he didn't believe in the name of Jesus. He had an encounter with God. Um, he was on his way to Jerusalem, and G he didn't just hear about Jesus. He didn't just experience Jesus, but he saw Jesus. Literally, like such a bright light that it blinded him. And Jesus told him, he said, he said, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this? He said, who is it, Lord? He said, is Jesus Christ of Nazareth the one you're persecuting? And all Jesus instructed Paul, or his name was Saul at that time, what he said to him was he told him, go to the, to this land. I think it was Jerusalem. And he said, stay there for three days. I'm going to send somebody. So blind for three days, could not see anything. There were scales, literal, it was visual. The scales were on his eyes. And there was, I forgot the man's name that God sent, but there was a prophet that God spoke to. He said, hey, go, go heal this guy, guy named Saul. He's been blind. And that was a picture of what Christ did on the cross where Paul was blind for three days. And on the third day, the man went and healed his eyes and the scales fell off. But it wasn't just his physical eyes. It was everything in Paul's life literally changed upside down and the scale of, of, his, of his sin in his life was off of him. And that's why we got two-thirds of the New Testament because the Saul to Paul conversion is real. And that I say that because a lot of Christians have a hard time believing in Saul to Paul conversions. Because, and it makes sense, I mean, you think about it. Saul was a Christian killer. It made sense that it's hard to believe that he's a Christian now. But when you only see the outward appearance and you don't see the fruit of what they're doing, that's when you just assume and you just create the judgment call like, oh, they're not actually saved. They're just, like they say, wolf in sheep's clothing or whatever. But we don't know the fruit of somebody until we start seeing them do it. And we just assume we could assume all this stuff. Oh, I remember how you used to be. You can't really be a Christian. Because Paul went from Saul, the Christian killer, to Paul, 
And that shows us, even as Christians, we cannot judge a believer where they're at. Paul said this in the New Testament. He said, he said, some Christians eat meat, some Christians eat vegetables. All this stuff. It was a huge, like, debate back then. And this is what Paul told the church. He said, accept every believer where they are, where they are at. That means no matter what it looks like, because we're not in the same walk as other people. We're not in the same walk as Linda, who is a, a veteran Christian. Then you got Sebastian. I'm just making this up. Sebastian, that's only been a Christian for three weeks. Because we are so consumed with the Christians got to look this way, act this way, talk this way, be this way. But all of our walks are different. They're very different. I can tell you why. The same, because everyone thinks it's external. We think we got to change everything. Because here's the deal. When God starts to change us on the inside, because you know sin is actually on the inside. It's not just on the outside. If you sin, it comes from the inside. You know what we like to do sometimes? I've done this. I try to change stuff on the outside to make it look good. I'm going to tell you just like this. When I was enslaved to lust and pornography, I would, I would do, like, I was like, I'm going to delete every single worldly song. I'm going to read my Bible three times a day and I'm going to, I'm going to pray like 20 minutes, 20 minutes every day, whatever. I made this type of, type of facade because we think externally, if we change that, then internally we'll be fine. But in all reality, it's the internal that changes the internal. I can look and put and put punch of scriptures on social media, yet be dying on the inside because I'm struggling with stuff. Internal is only changed not by external stuff, outside stuff. If you don't know if I'm going to scientific like weird words on y'all, outside does not change the inside. Outside does not change the inside. You can look great as a Christian, but you could be dying on the inside. And God is willing to change within you rather than the stuff around you. And that's what Paul realized. Paul was changed from the scales of his eyes, but really, I'm going to be honest with you, it was changed from the inside of him. I just want to tell you how who Paul is. That's Paul. Um, I want to jump to 35 and 39 before I get to the rest of this, I didn't even get my title yet. I just went on a rant. But verse 35 says this. This is my, this is my sermon. This is, this, this scripture is the sermon. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardships or persecution or famine, nakedness, danger or sword? As it is written for the sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Excuse me. No, Paul says, in all things we are more than, more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from what? The love of God. Death cannot separate you. Life cannot separate you. What you do now in the present or what you do now in the future will not separate you from it. No matter how tall your situation looks and no matter how deep of a pit you're in. Nothing, when Paul says nothing, the word nothing means at all, nothing, at all. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. 
I read that scripture a lot when I was younger, and I was like, oh, that's cool, the love of God. Like, nothing can separate us. But when he means nothing, that gives me a better perspective of the love of God. So for my title, week one of our series, the title is called The King's Love. The King's Love. So... As I as I've grown up, oh phone drop. As I as I grew up, um, I've grown up in church all my life, all my life. While I was in diapers, I was in church, and most of my life, you know, I've 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 known the routine. I've known so so all of you that are church in here think that it's, it's it's just like oh I'm just going. Trust me, I've been through every single service. I've been to every single Wednesday night service, every single Sunday service. Every single life group, like I've been through all that, and I was taught a lot of things about God. But one of the things that caught my eye as a kid, because 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 I have a little bit of my dad in me, where I'm like the the stern, and I'm like ooh. So like I like I used to love and I used to indulge on like like the wrath of God. I used to study that stuff all the time when I was a uh, uh, mid teen. 15, 16 years old, and I would, and I would, I loved it. It was like end time stuff and all that. Like I was really into that as a teenager. And, um, and as time went on, because there's nothing wrong with the wrath of God, that's part of God, that's one of his judgments. Also, the love of God is who he is. That's what stops the wrath of God from us, that because we are saved. That also happens. But when your, your, your idea of God is distorted and it's only one-sided, then you'll never be able to see the other side of it. So there are people that are so engulfed in the love of God, in the, in the wrath of God, that they are so harsh towards people that nobody wants to listen to them. But then there's also people who are so engulfed in the love of God, and I want to say this right, that are so engulfed in the love of God that there's no actual correction and accountability that we just accept. God accepts everything, but he's also willing to deal with everything in your life. But we don't like that. We like the acceptance part. We like being accepted by God. But one of the things God wants to do with you, he wants to operate and actually wants you to be restored and better that the world's trying to give you, and, and he wants to be that better part. But for me, as a kid, I just, the wrath of God was just a thing. And throughout all my life, and this started as a kid, a person told me this as a kid. And as a kid, you take stuff to heart. You, you're a child. You, you, you take everything literally because you don't know what's true and what's not. You're, you're, a, 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 you're learning stuff, right? So, so as a kid, this person said this to me. And it's so innocent, y'all. It's just a joke. But as a kid, even if any of y'all want to be parents one day or whatever, be careful what you say to your kids. Because because you are the ones they are imitating. You imitate. Some of us imitate our parents. Some of us are like, hex and all. I ain't imitating my parents or whatever. But, but for some of us, our parents are one of the biggest imitations in our life. So, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying my parents said this. I'm just saying in general. You have to be careful what you say to people, and even in general. So, so she, I lied one time, right? I did a little white lie. I said, so, and I'm a kid, you know, you, you got, you're going to be a little devil, you know what I'm saying? You're going to be a little devil. And, and I lied one time, right? Ooh, you lied. Ooh. 
No, but I didn't. Look, look, look. It was a little, it was a little, little lie, okay? A little, little bitty fib. Not a fib, not gossip. Lie, lie. So I lied one time to her. And as a joke, she said this as a joke, right? She said this as a joke. But, but as a kid, I was like, what does that mean? I got nervous about it, but she said, she said that she said, don't lie. God's going to strike you down. Have you ever heard that before? God's going to strike you down or whatever. So as a kid, I'm like, oh my God. I thought, as a kid, I, I was so over exaggerated as a kid. I'm just like, oh my God, he's going to strike me down and I'm going to have to hide or whatever. And it was, and it was hilarious when, when she told me that phrase and I'm like, oh my, oh my gosh, he's going to strike me down. Or like, uh, or like, or like, she, she had said something else one time. I forgot, but it was something about a lightning bolt. Um, I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like you lie or whatever. God strikes you dead, whatever. And she's like, you're going to strike you dead. That, there we go. Okay. She just said it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I was, I was trying to remember that, but like God strike, God's going to strike you down. If you say stuff like that, God's going to throw a lightning bolt on you or whatever as a joke, right? As a joke. But as a kid, I took that more than what I thought I would have taken it as. Ultimately, because you're a kid, number one. Why would you say that to a kid, first off? Second, second, what that did, even though it was just a little joke and like, oh, no, no, no. It was such a long road for me because what it did was that it caused, like, if I made a mistake, God was going to kill me. It sounds funny, right? Who's going to murder you? Well, I don't want to be murdered. But every time I made a mistake, I thought God was mad at me. So I felt like I couldn't ask for forgiveness or get repented of my sin or whatever, or any mistake I made because I felt like, I felt like, like God wasn't listening to me anymore because of the mistakes I've made. And I felt like, you know, I dealt with that most of my life. And it wasn't just because that, and here's the thing that brought truth to, to it. God never told me that. God never told me that. God never told me that, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wipe you off the face of the earth if you do this one more time. He never told me that. And throughout my life, I was, I, I victimized all of that. Whenever, whenever I was corrected, even as a kid, and even when I was corrected at a job or whatever that was, there was just this wave of condemnation for no reason. Because, I thought if I do something wrong, God does not like me. God does not want to listen to me. God does not care about how I feel or what I'm going through because I've already messed up anyways. So why bother? Why bother? And throughout my life, that was the, I knew about the love of God, but I never experienced the love of God. That's the difference. You can know it, but you can never experience it. And what I realized was instead of, you know, you know, this thing is kind of cool because a lot of people, even in like, even like the secular business places and stuff like that, like, like they talk about this, like you are what you do. Like you are, like you, if you play basketball, you're a basketball player. If you play football, you're a football player. If, if you play video games, you're in esports. What are, what is it called? See, there we go. Okay. That's, that's what I was trying to call it. Something. You're a gamer, whatever, whatever it's called. I forgot. So, so you are what you do. And that can be a dangerous game because if that's stripped from you, then who are you, right? 
Who are you? And, and I got that same analogy from when I made mistakes. I thought, well, if I made a mistake, then that must mean I am one. And for some of us in here, we might think that way, that, oh, I'm a mistake. Oh, I, I messed up. I'm a mistake. I'm a mistake. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. But how many of us in here think that we're a mistake? How many of us think that? You put the sticky note photo a bit too early, but that's okay. I was going to ask him to pull it up. but um, I posted this on my social media a couple of months ago. And it says what it says. You made a mistake, but that doesn't mean you are one. Some of you think you're a mistake. Some of you think that you are what you've done. I'm a mistake. I'm a burden. I'm a pervert. I'm this. I'm a drughead. I'm, I'm this. I'm that. And you believe that. Some of us believe we're good church kids. Some of us believe that. Some of us believe these things. We are what we do. But that's a dangerous game. And the reason why is because if you could become entitled to that, especially if it's not from God, that'll kill you. That'll kill you. I'm a mistake. But God told me that. He spoke that to me. I wrote it as fast as I could. He said, yeah, Jacob, you made a mistake, but that doesn't mean you are one. He said, he told me that in a, in a small whisper, you're my child. And I was like, your child? You sure? <laughs> you know, you get self-conscious and you're like, you sure? <laughs> you really sure about that? But... But he said, no, I'm, I'm 100%. And, and, and when I say God speaks to me, it's not like just verbally. Like he speaks through me through thought and he'll, and he'll just tell me like these little thought bubbles. And he'll tell me, no, you're, you're my child. And I could never grasp that because I'm like, oh, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sinner in need of a savior or whatever. And that's true too. But one of the things I had to learn is that put this phrase on, on the screen, Elijah. Put this thing on the screen. I'm a child of God first. Put that up. Y'all are really slow. <laughs> Love you, Elijah. Um, so here's the deal. Before anything, before you are anything, you're a child of God first. Number one. And I'm serious. You, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's so cliche, whatever. Before you're a mistake, you're a child of God first. Before you are a burden, you're a child of God first. Before you are anything people have labeled you or have told you or what you've told yourself, you are a child of God first. Oh, I'm, I'm my disorder. You're a child of God first. I'm, I'm my dysfunctions. You're a child of God first. I'm my mental illness. You are a child of God first. First. 
anything else that you try to label yourself with. Before I'm ever a pastor, a brother, a boyfriend, whatever that looks like, I'm a child of God first. That comes first. Because that's who you are. That's your identity. That's who you are. But if you don't know who you are, this sounds really dumb. I'm going to sound like an old grandpa. This is where you get your, your identity from. The validation of what people give you. The validation of this. This thing. This death machine. I love it, but I hate it at the same time. I love TikTok. I can stay on there for hours now. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a TikTok head, whatever. I don't know. Say that. <laughs> I I love it, but can it just naturally just like, man, it sounds weird. I sound like a conspiracy theorist, but you know why that you you think like why they call it a feed? Because it feeds you. <laughs> I'm good at this. I thought about this yesterday. I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> it, but in all reality, think about it. Think about it. I'm not trying to sound like a like a parent. I'm not, I promise you. I'm not a parent. I'm not a parent. Um, but that that's the place where people are trying to find themselves in. They're trying to find themselves in that stuff. You're trying to find yourself in a place that is literally invisible. You're not even in the same facility as that person, but you want to be that person. You're not even in the same state or country as this person, but you're like, man, if I can just look like them, talk like them, act like them. I'm serious. Straight up. We take this and we make it our God. We take this and this is where we find our identity in. Social media has become our identity crutch. That's where it's come from. And this is where we get sick to our stomach and we lose ourselves because we want to look like Amanda, and we want to look like Harold. I don't know. We want to look like, <laughs> I'm thinking of funny names. We're going to look like these people. But you're not these people, right? You're not these people. What are you? Say the word. A child. A child. <laughs> that was really messed up. It was like a child, a ghost child. <laughs> but listen to me. Shh, shh, listen, 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 listen. Listen to the words that I'm saying because this is going to help somebody in here who has been feeling like you're not a child of God. You are one because that is your name first. Yes, first. Before you're anything else, before you are your sin, before you are your mistakes, before you're any of these things, you're a child first. And the devil likes to remind you, did you know that? The devil likes to remind you of certain things. I'm going I'm to I'm list them down. He'll remind you of your past. He'll remind you of that. I'm using my pinky. You, you, he'll remind you of your past. He likes to remind you of your past, mid, and future mistakes. He'll do that. He'll try to make you understand, hey, the, you're going to do this again. That's everything he does. He also likes to remind you of heartbreaks that you've had in relationships, whatever that looks like. He wants to remind you. He wants to remind you of your sin. He wants to label you stuff with what you do. 
And guess what? The devil can use people. You know how people tell you, oh, I remember you from your past. Remember that? You know how people tell you that? <laughs> I'm going to talk to you afterwards. I want to hear that. Um, but, but people like to remind you. And the devil likes doing that because, because he knows how much of a target you can be. Because you're a child of God. That's why. There's no other reason. You're not a famous TikToker. You're not all this other stuff that the world's saying, oh, the devil's out for you because you're going to do this great one day. You got gifts, but he comes at you when you are who God says you are. That's when he does that. He reminds you of these things. When that happens to me, I want to give you this little routine. Before, when he when he tries to remind me of what I've done, who I am before, whatever, if he tries to feed me lies, you know how some people say like, oh, you know, if the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of your future, all that cliche stuff. I'm like, um, yeah, that's cool. He probably knows, but instead of me just reminding the devil of his future, I remind myself what God has spoken over me. That is the ultimate ticket into freeing yourself from the lies he keeps telling you. The lies he keeps telling you. And I said this in, the, in a while ago. Before I'm a mistake, I'm a child of God. Before I'm a burden, I'm a child of God. Before I am a dysfunction, I'm a child of God. And even I made it personal for me. Before I'm a pastor, I'm a child of God. Before I am a step on, I'm a child of God. All of this stuff leads up to me saying... You're a child of God. Period. End of story. End of story. Nobody, whatever people tell you, no matter what, even at school, because people can label you at school. People do that all the time. Because we naturally do that. We just label stuff. We naturally label stuff that. But if you knock down the layers and you get alone with God and you ask him, Lord, I need you to tell me who I really am. I dealt with that most of my life, and now I really understand the love of God. I remember when I, I'm going to end with this, because we, we got 10 more minutes. I'm going to end with this. One time, as I was being set free from judgment and shame, because that's what it is, is shame that I dealt with. Uh, if you feel like you're a mistake, you feel shame. One time, um, one time, it's not, nothing magical happens when you realize it. Nothing magical happens when you realize, when you, when you have this revelation of the love of God. It, you just realize it. You know what I'm talking about? In a moment, you just realize in that moment that God loves you. I read that scripture, Romans 8, 35,000 of times as a kid. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But I'm telling you right now, as an adult, as what I've, what I've gone through in my past and all this stuff, and I felt so much shame, when I read that scripture now, the realization came from when I was just sitting in my, I was sitting in my kitchen at my house and me and my mom were having some type of conversation that led up to the love of God. And I forgot which phrase it was because it was such a moment I couldn't remember. And so once I realized in that moment when me and my mom were talking about it and I realized how real the love of God is, all I heard in my, in my ear is God saying, I'm not mad at you, bro. I walked into my, we have a utility room, and I closed the door and I started crying in the corner. <laughs> I started crying because 
Because I got to hear from my father, he's not mad at me. When I thought he was this whole time, he wasn't really mad at me. Because the gospel says that God so loved the world, and you've heard this before, but God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He couldn't have done that. He didn't have to. He did it. Why? Because he loves us. And he told me to tell some of you in here that are dealing with feeling like this or feeling like that, I'm not mad at you. I'm not. I'm not mad at you. Well, God, I thought you were. I'm not mad at you. Nothing you can do. What did Paul say? Nothing can separate you. That means anything that you do cannot make him love you any less. And no matter how good of a person you can become and how good you look, doesn't make you love any more. He loves you exactly. Exactly. He's willing to deal with stuff in your life, but he's willing. We think we need, he needs to accept us right here. But in reality, wherever we are, he meets us there. The word of the Lord tonight that I want to tell you is that I'm not mad at you. You're my child. Yeah, you do dumb stuff, you know, it's natural. It's just, you know, sometimes. But that doesn't stop me from loving you. That's when I wrote on that sticky note, I made a mistake, but that doesn't mean I am one. I'm a child of God that has hiccups. I'm a child of God that has anger issues. Yeah, I'm the nicest guy, but if you cut me off on I-10, oh, you're going to hear me. But, <laughs> yeah, you better not. Um, uh, I'm a child of God, but I've got, I've got overthinking. I'm a child of God, and i got anxiety, all this stuff. I'm a child of God. But I got this and that, but I'm a child of God first. That's the first thing. You are that. That's the love of God. That's the king's love, is that nothing you do and nothing you can do better can make you make him love you any more or any less. It stays the same. It stays the same. Nothing changes. And for some of us, we really think it does. We really believe, and I'm that person too, we really believe that what we do makes God so mad but some of you need to hear it in this room. He's saying, I'm not. I'm not. You walked away from me. I'm not mad at you. You slipped and fell again this week. I'm not mad at you. God is not mad at you. He loves you. He does. That's the king's love. That's Romans 8.35. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I have someone the keys. Thank you, Rachel. I want you to take that with you this week during school and all that stuff. I want you to bring the love of God with you as of tonight. Because for some of us, maybe some of us don't feel that way. Maybe we don't feel like a mistake, but we know some friends that feel like it. And we feel like we have some friends that feel like they can't measure up or they, they feel so not enough for somebody or, or themselves. If you know someone like that, I want you to go this week and I want you to show them how much God loves them. It's that simple. That's what this series is about. I want to pray over you. But but I also want to pray over your friends at school. The friends that, that feel like they're a mistake, that they're going life, they're going through life without no purpose. 
that they're just going through things without no, without no comfort, no, no, no safety. They're just going through life. I want you to go to school this week and show someone the love of God. But for everyone in here first, if you feel like a, if you feel like, man, Jacob, I, I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be frank. I feel, I've, 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 I have felt like a mistake. I have felt like a burden to people. I have felt like, like I'm this and that. And it's things that people have told me. I feel like I'm, I'm a reject. I feel like, I feel like I don't fit in or whatever. If that's you, um, I don't want you to raise your hand. I thought you were going to let me raise your hand. No. Don't raise your hand. Because that's sometimes how we feel. We feel like we have to throw ourselves out there and say like, yes, uh, this and that. We got we to gotta let everybody else know. But this is between you and God because this is personal. I showed you the biblical Christ, the one that loves you. But I even told you about my experience with God, the love of God. If that's you, take a moment to hear these words. I just want everyone to close their eyes before I close. I'm just about done. I want to read this to you. It's a sticky note I made. And I just want to read this and I want your ear, I want your ears to hear it, not just your eyes to see it or what you're trying to think about right now. I want you to hear this. I did it over eight, uh, Romans 8:35. It says, "Condemnation is nowhere near Christ." It's actually nowhere when you're in Christ. You are a child of God. Shame leaves when you come into the realization that you are not just his servant, that you're not just his disciple, but you are the adopted child he's been waiting for for a long time. You're his child. So shame you have to leave. Rejection you have to leave. Mistakes you have to leave. All these things that I've labeled myself with, I need them to leave. Because I'm a child of God now. None of these things overtake me anymore. I have been set free. And I get to sit at the table with the King. Lord, we honor you and we thank you for this message. Lord, I pray for every single person in here that they didn't have to raise their hand, Lord, but maybe they met personally with you right now in this moment. That shame has to leave. The mistakes that they label themselves with have to leave, Lord. The things that they feel like they need to do have to leave, Lord God. Like they have to make a set list of what they have to do for you, Lord, but you love them anyways. Before they do anything, Lord, let them know that you are their father. And that they are your children that nothing in all creation can separate us and that you whispered in my ear and I hope you whisper into theirs Lord that you are not mad at us that you see us where we're at that you see where we're trying to be accepted but Lord you accept us where we are at in this very moment in time Father we thank you for this revelation 
I pray that they take it with them to school this week, Lord, that they understand that they're just not loved, but the people they care about is loved, that their friends are loved, that their teachers are loved, Lord, whatever that looks like, that they can understand that they are not a mess up, that they're not a mistake, that they're not a reject, Lord, that they are children of God. And Lord, help them to witness your love, the gospel to them. Lord, we honor you. We praise you for this message. Lord, we pray that this series continues to speak to us throughout the weeks, Lord God, that we get to know who you really are in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.